Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast, episode number 26. I'm your host, TK, joined by my boys, Mr. Matthew Freeze and Mr. Omari Brown. What's up, fellas? What's up, what's up, what's up? Just another week closer to training camp. This is when the excitement is starting to build. Uh, we can definitely get into some real football. But yeah, I'm definitely excited. How you guys doing? What's going on? I think we're three weeks away uh, from uh, training camp. Our first preseason game, two weeks out you know, from training camp and all the other stuff. So uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, can't wait to dive in. Oh yeah, man. You you and me both, man. I'm uh the excitement is starting to build, man, and uh, you know, the, the feeling around the fan base is 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 really growing. And we're we're all you know ready, man. Um but to kick things off, man, uh we're starting things off on a on a sad note. Um today, Greg Knapp, uh QB specialist, QB coach, um passed away after being struck uh, by a motorist while riding his bicycle in uh, California this week. Um, I just want to say, my, you know, my, my thoughts, prayers, and condolences goes out to his entire family, his friends, um, the entire Jets family and staff, and, you know, anyone who's ever crossed his path, man. A, from, you know, what I read, he was an awesome guy, um, and it's a devastating loss. Yeah, this is super sad, man. Uh, 58 years old, his wife survived by his three daughters. This is terrible. You know, 33 years of coaching. He's a football lifer. And of course, during uh, a time like this, you just get a bunch of, you know, just the outpouring of support and nothing but good stories that people have uh, with Greg Knapp. So just to let you guys know how far his reach was, Greg Knapp started coaching at Sacramento State in 1986, worked his way up. He was Steve Young's QB coach. He worked with Peyton Manning. He was with the Falcons. He was with the Jets. Yeah, he worked with seven teams. So to stay in the NFL for 33 years, man, that means that you're doing something right. Everybody spoke very highly of him. Greg Knapp was brought in basically to make sure that he, he was on Team Zach. He was one of those people that, that were brought in to make sure that Zach Wilson succeeded. And, you know, just to see this, man, it, like life is so fleeting. You know, not you know not to get too deep. You know, I know that we're a sports podcast, but, you know, whenever you lose, you know, whenever somebody loses life that's, you know, not too much older than you, like, you know, I'm 32. I don't consider 58 old. Like, I still think that Greg is a young man. He had a bunch of life to live, obviously. But, you know, I, I, was, I was riding a bike with my girlfriend Monday, and people don't pay attention. And that's something that um that that I hope that this that this death sheds a light to. Like, let's pay attention. Let's get off our phones when we're driving. You know, pedestrians and bikers have the right of way. Let's always make sure you know when we're making those right turns that we're, that we're not that 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 we're checking our rear view mirror or our side view mirrors first. You know, because one it only takes one second for somebody to lose their life. You know, Greg um Greg was struck by the car and he never woke up. You know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's just not, it's just not what you want to see. It's very sad. And my thoughts, prayers, condolences. And, um, you know, I, I hope that everyone around that family, I know the, the Jets always do a really good job with this. I hope that everyone sends their condolences, lets them know that they're not alone in this and, you know, that, that we're praying for them. 
Yeah, I think this kind of just shows the fragility of life. Um, you know, in the short amount of time that Nap's been around the organization, you know, from a football perspective, of course, uh, he's touched so many people and the the, the outcry and the support of, of even organizations prior, that were prior to the Jets, you know, the Broncos, the the Falcons, you know, to name just a few is just it, it, it shows you the fragility of life where, you know, one second you can be living your everyday life and then the next second it can all be gone. And unfortunately, uh, coach, you know, never woke up. We saw the comments and, you know, everything uh, from the team, from Woody Johnson, from Sala and, and so on. But it's just a tough situation. And you hope that the players can can somehow, you know, reconcile and, and, and figure it out because this is obviously not going to be an easy thing because, you know, everyone has to remember that football is a team sport. You build a bond with the coaches and your teammates and stuff like that. So losing, you know, someone, especially, you know, from Zach Wilson's perspective specifically, it's someone you're working with every day, someone that you have a, a rapport with every day. You're texting, you're talking, you're going through plays and so on and so forth where it's like now that's kind of gone and, and it's tough to really fill that void. So, you know, I, I just kind of hope all, all the players, you know, take a moment and, and, and you know, take it all in and, and try to figure it out slowly. But it's definitely going to be a tough time for the Jets. Um, it, it's especially tough given, the, you know, obviously the time frame and everything like that. But thoughts and prayers go out to the family. Um, like you guys stated, he, I believe he has three daughters and a wife. So uh, I'm sure they'll, uh, that his memory will live on through them. Yeah. Um... Yeah, just trying to find a silver lining in this. This is going to be something that drives this team for the foreseeable future. You know, like this team, they're all hurting together. This this is going to bring them much closer. And I know that they're going to dedicate this season. Like, like there's no way that that you're going to be able to to go through this before training camp and not play hard at all. So I think that uh, they're going to dedicate this season to Greg Knapp. They're going to dedicate the way that they play through Greg Knapp and you know, they're going to represent Greg Knapp the, the right way by playing hard. So, you know, if you can find a silver lining in this, uh, two things I would say is bicycle and bicycle safety and protocol. Hopefully the Jets will do something to bring awareness to this. Um, and, and, and hopefully the Jets can, the Jets can rally around th- this tragedy and use it as a springboard to, 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 to honor a man who spent, you know, the, more than half of his his life dedicated to the game of football. Yeah, man. Um, you guys pretty much uh, just you know summed it up perfectly, man. Um, you just never know, man. I and, and like you said, Amara, I hope you know people take something from this and and learn something from this. Um, and just, I, I just hope everybody comes out of this better than they were before. Pretty much. I think Salah, it's um, it's gonna be, this is gonna be a tough thing to juggle, you know. First time coach, uh, not only does he have to worry about you know just all the you know everything, all the you know extracurriculars and and everything that goes along with being you know the CEO of a football team, of a franchise, of a corporation, pretty much. So I think it's gonna it's it's, it's gonna be challenging. It's gonna be tough. His job is def- his his job has definitely just been made tougher, and I think everyone's job has just been made tougher. Because I know you know Matt uh, Matt Lafleur was leaning on him, Mike Lafleur. I'm sorry, I always do that. Uh, was going to lean on Greg Knapp for all of his knowledge and the years that he's been there. 
Right. So I just, you know, it's a sad time. It's, it's, it's not what you want to see. Yeah, I, I agree, man. So, um, you know, man, to 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 kind of move on through the the the, the pod today. Um, so we got a bunch of things going on around the NFL, man. Um, and and because we're getting closer to training camp, things are starting to pick up. Uh, we're seeing a lot of you know contract things going on and player movement and so on and so forth. So. We will kick things off with around the league, man. Uh, what you got for us? Yeah, so around the league. Um, so last week, July seventh, fifteenth was the deadline for uh, players that to that signed their franchise tender. So that was the deadline for people to strike deals. So the time from around that time until about when training camp starts, that's the time when people start to extend all their great players. So it was reported that the 49ers extended all-pro linebacker Fred Warner to a five-year, $96 million deal with $40 million guaranteed. Now, that may, for, the, for the time being, I think for the next week uh, to possibly a month, Fred Warner is going to be the highest-paid linebacker in the league. So that $40 million guaranteed, that, that's huge. I think that's – I believe it was the record. I'm not sure yet. But so the 49ers now have three, three guys that are, that are the highest paid at their position. George Kittle is the highest paid tight end. Trent Williams is the highest paid left tackle. And now Fred Warner is the highest paid linebacker in all of football. Now, we, we went on and on about what we think about messages and setting a precedent and, and optics and a narrative. Now, the 49ers are letting everybody in that locker room know, if you a ball, if you a stud, we're going to pay you. So... How, what do you, how do y'all feel about that? Um, so, Matt, when you saw that Fred Warner deal, what was the first thing that went through your mind? Uh, wow. I mean, that's a lot of money for, for a middle linebacker. But then again, he is by – I mean, I wouldn't say a wide margin, but I would say by, by a decent margin. I think him and Darius Leonard kind of separate themselves from kind of the pack when it comes to that position specifically. So I was kind of more like, wow, that's a lot of money to tie up in, in a middle linebacker. But when you really look at – his overall play, his impact on that defense and how he, you know, fits their scheme. And even from just a coverage ability, he's not just a downhill, you know, run stopping linebacker. He's versatile. He's hitting the hole as hard as he can, you know, on an in inside run or something like that, or, or chasing after people on the outside run, but he's also really good in coverage co covering the tight ends and stuff like that. So from the perspective of what he does for that team, I don't really have a problem with it. And we kind of spoke pre-production about, you know, other players that potentially will break what he just got. Right. I think Darius Leonard was, was one of the guys that we actually brought up as someone who would, but you know, from just strictly a number standpoint, $40 million guaranteed is, is a nice chunk, a nice chunk of change. And, and 19 million years is, you know, nothing to scoff at. So I think the 49ers are, are going to take a big leap forward, obviously with, with their quarterbacks coming back and so on and so forth. But I don't think that defense is going to miss a beat. And, and that's not to say solid didn't have an impact on them prior to coming to the jets. But I just think that when you lock up a guy like that, other guys have something to strive for. Essentially, they see that, well, 49ers are going to take care of their guys. I'm going to work that much harder so I can get a contract, too, because obviously the 49ers will pay me if I'm you know, worth it. So I, I, more or less, my instant reaction was kind of, wow, that's a lot of money. But he's worth it. Yeah, I think that Fred Warner is the prototypical modern day NFL linebacker. He's 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 all around. 
He stops the run. He can guard tight ends. He can you could line him up over the slot. I think now just the way the the NFL is trending with this spread out system, and then what you you're gonna have like four or five guys that can all catch the ball out of the backfield. You're gonna need these hybrid linebackers that are pretty much box safeties from the '90s and '80s. That's pretty much what these linebackers are now. So the game it's a, it's a spread game now. So I think Fred Warner is the is the prototypical linebacker. TK, what did you think when you saw this deal was announced? So when I saw it, man, I I thought like instantly like maybe three or four things crossed my mind. First thing that crossed my mind was, you know, this kid is a dog. He deserves it. Durable. Hadn't missed a game. He's averaging about ninety six percent snap count. You know, played every year, so he's there. He's young, so you you got a kid who's twenty four years old. Basically, you you locked him in. He set he set for life with this one deal, so he's locked in, ready. Second thing I thought about Matt kind of preface that I was like, first thing I said was uh, Darius Lynn is gonna break that real soon because uh, he's same old dog does everything, you know, beast. <clears throat> Third thing I thought was. Where the hell does San Francisco find these linebackers? Like who who's scouting their linebackers? Because they they strike gold, it seems like every two years, you know, from way back uh, through, you know, uh Patrick Willis and, and you know Ken Norton. Oh, like like they Navarro Bowman. Navarro Bowman, like Chris they, Borland. It's it's amazing how they, you know, they find them and they they find them and they they, you know. They get them right, and you see what happens on the field. And then the last thing I thought was, man, he's getting this much, and we got uh, Mosley, who's getting paid pennies compared to this, you know, at least this year. So if if we get, you know, Mosley playing what we saw uh, in that three quarters or whatever it was against Buffalo, then we got a, a bargain basement player uh, his his cap hit is is seven and a half million this year, so you know, cross your fingers, Jets fans, and hope that he he comes back as as that guy. Then all the complaining about him sitting out and what he's costing won't mean a thing. Yeah, that's true. Everybody keeps referring to those three quarters that he played in Buffalo, but what about the handful of years or the almost half dozen years that he played in Baltimore? He yeah. basically picked up the torch from Ray Lewis and was the face and the voice of that defense. So everybody keeps talking about those three quarters. I'm not just jumping at you. I'm talking about, you know, people on the radio and stuff like right. that. Yeah, if he's 75, 80% of what he was in, in Baltimore, that's that's a hell of a bargain right now. People got to remember that. Uh, people got to remember that we coming off Neville Hewitt. And I'm not trying to diss Neville Hewitt. <laughs> but, <laughs> you listen, kill Neville every year. I, listen, I ain't mean to kill Neville, man, but I'm just trying to say everybody's talking, you know, <laughs> he's a lunch pail guy and stuff. But, you know, he became a folk hero. And shout out to Neville Hewitt. I, um, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to call about a nice uh, career for himself down in Houston. But, yeah, like CJ Mosley is going to be a baller, especially at, at a $7.5 million price tag. So I'm not worried about that at all. Only thing about CJ Mosley is that he just has to remain healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, so, so I brought up the seven, the, the, the three quarters against Buffalo because that's all everybody talks about. Like, you know, they, like you said, they don't want to go back to what he actually did in Baltimore. So, for you sure. know, what he did it, on and off the field, though. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, taking over for Ray Lewis, man, that shit is like following Jeter at shortstop. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it's one of those, what have you done for me lately? And that's what he's done. 
those three quarters. So that, that's why I referenced it. But yeah, I totally agree, man. You got to look at his body of work and hope he goes back to, to that form. And if he does, that 7.5 will be pennies for, for the value that he's bringing. Yeah, I think that we compiled the list of ifs. I think that CJ Mosley would be one or one or two. Like if this happens, then this will happen. If CJ Mosley is healthy, CJ Mosley will probably be a pro bowler and this defense will probably be top 12 in the league. Just that that's just how I feel about it. Um another deal. Oh actually actually um how about this? Since Fred Warner is going to get 5 for 96, what do y'all think Darius Leonard is going to get? And then that even begs the question. Now since so I think that now we're going to get to a point where we don't even remember when uh, CJ2K was trying to say like I'm don't don't look at me as a running back I'm an offensive weapon mm. I think that's what we're going to start getting into because Christian McCaffrey got paid like a weapon I think yeah. Michael Thomas got paid like a weapon I think that I think when you're the top five at your position I think that you know the the the, the salary of, of what we're going to pay I think that's just going to go out the window so I think that if Fred Warner and, and I feel like this will be like you know. This will kind of be like the Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu debate because I'd rather I'd take both those guys on my team. If Fred Warren is making nineteen million dollars a year, does Darius Leonard make twenty one? Yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you you know what, man? From from what I've read about him, and, and, you know, he he may not even try to go for the jugular like that to keep keep the players. You know, because because you look at that squad, man, like they're built to win now. But you got right you, you got to pay people. So, yeah. and, and especially if Carson Wentz pans out. Yeah, they're know. right on the cusp because they're going to have to pay. And and listen, shout out to Chris Ballard down there. Like if he was in a, a huge market, they'd be all over his job. That dude, like he's going to have to pay. Quentin Nelson is going to get at least. What did Joe Tooney get? 80 million, right? Or was it 90? 80. He got 16 a year, right? Yeah. He got, he but got overall, five for it was 80. Like, Five for 80. Quentin yeah. Nelson's getting five or six for 90. Yeah. Or even more than that. Quentin Nelson is Quentin a Nelson be the highest paid guard. Quentin Ever. Nelson might be the highest yeah. paid offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah. Just for what he dude, did for that offensive line. Absolutely. So, that. yeah. So, so Darius Leonard, he is one of those dudes. I know what you're talking about. Just like when he was like, he set a PSA, he tweeted that out. If you're going to come to Indy, better, you got to be ready to be all in and you got to be real for us. We don't need anybody here that's out for themselves. So maybe he does take a hometown discount. Right. So assuming that's what I based it off of. So assuming that he doesn't, though, you're going to pay Darius Leonard. He's going to be the highest paid linebacker in the league at 21. And then you're going to pay Quentin Nelson a guard, probably 20 million annually. So, So. The Colts have been rumored since I, I know their left tackle retired. I think Costanzo t- uh, retired or whatever. The yeah, Colts are rumored to potentially move him to left tackle. That's they how good he is. That athleticism, which is where this whole offensive quote unquote weapon thing can come into play. Because you can make a justification for paying Quentin Nelson the most that a left tackle has gotten if, if you choose to realistically. So it's certainly a possibility. That, that he does get paid that. But touching on Darius Leonard for a second, I'm actually reading uh, – I'm looking at what Schefter tweeted out, I believe, the other day, is that the, the, the Colts are working on a deal upwards of $19 million a year. For Darius so, Leonard. What's the matter? For Darius Leonard. Correct. Right? Yes. Correct. And just, you know, based on a, on a raw numbers type thing, Darius Leonard does have better numbers than Fred Warner. 
I mean, just, you know, from a, from a base baseline, just from tackles, tackles for loss, solo tackles over the last, they, they, they were both drafted, I believe in 2018. I could be wrong. I think Warner was the 70th pick in, in the third round. And I think Darius Leonard was the top second round pick, but everyone thought he was overdrafted. I remember that. Everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? Cause I think he came out of a small school. I don't remember the school, but you know, be, beyond that, I, I don't know if he'd take uh, – what really constitutes a hometown discount? Not being the highest paid or just being the highest paid by a little bit? You know what I mean? Like, if he sees that deal for Fred Warner and it's $19 million a year, is him going to 20 instead of 21? Is that considered a hometown discount? Is a five-year $100 million deal – is it that much of a discount? $5 million if he leaves it on the table and doesn't go for 105 over five? Like, what's a I hometown think, discount? I think a hometown discount is I think a hometown discount is anything that doesn't make him the highest paid linebacker in okay. football, which most of us think that he he has every right to be. But then again though, they also I don't I don't think we touched on this yet. They just gave Buckner a bunch of money. Yep. Yeah, they did. And we all think that Buckner's worth it. That dude is a dog. He's a monster. So yeah, he's worth the money they paid. He's worth the picks they gave up. Like Absolutely. That's what I'm telling you, man. They are and, built now. And what about they're not paying that they're not paying all of Wentz's contract, correct? I think no. Eagles ate, no. like, Eagles ate like forty million of it. So they ate a lot of it. What does yeah. that have for future ramifications for their cap? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like if he pays out, they gonna have to pay Carson Wentz. Yeah. So, you know, this this year would be a watershed moment for that franchise as far as how they'll move, you know, uh Contract wise and, and, and personnel wise, because if he if he goes out there, and first of all, they got the defense to win that division. One hundred percent. They got the run game to win that division. You know, with 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 the the ascension of uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the ascension of uh, God, Michael Pittman. You know, Pittman. and I forgot who else they added, but all they missing is solid, steady quarterback play, which they didn't have last year. They get that from Wentz, it's it's over. Yeah, I I totally agree. And this leads us right into the next guy that just got a that just got a big deal. So Taylor Moten, the right tackle of the Carolina Panthers, signed for four years, seventy two million dollars for forty three guaranteed. Mm. Now you guys are probably saying, "Holy shit, he's a right tackle and he's getting that money." So this leads this is we're just going to keep going with this conversation. I think now it's it just doesn't matter because right tackles. Guess who right tackles are going against? Khalil Mack lines up on the left side. Yeah. Joey Bosa lines up on the left side. A lot of the Jerry Hughes lines up on the left side. A lot of these premier pass rushers are rushing from the left end, what used to be the weekend. The premier guys used to all rush from the right end. That's why the left tackle had to be the highest paid and you had to take care of him because that was a QB's blind side. Now it doesn't matter. So, you know, if we were just talking about the standard of living, you know, pre-production. The standard of living in the NFL is you're not going to be able to hire people soon. You can't have terrible guard play because you got Aaron Donald, Quinny Williams, Fletcher Cox, and all these other guys, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins. We go on for days about just these three techniques and these nose guards that are just Kenny Clark, that are just monsters. You're not going to be able to hide anybody across the offensive line. Remember the days where you could have weak interior line play? That's no longer the case. We're bringing A-gap blitz anytime if, if we know that uh, that, that you have weak interior line play. So I think that the NFL is going to – this new CBA – is going to be a lot. I'm not sure when the CBA is up, but they're going to have to increase the salary cap by at least 25 to 30% just to keep up with these contracts. Because you have to pay for it. 
They can oh, I, oh, I know. I Listen, I know that they can afford it. You know, we'll get into a topic about, you know, how we feel about the NFL coming up a little bit later. But so if you guys are seeing this right now, they just don't really have any right tackles that, that they're going to have to pay. Maybe if Morgan Moses has like a ridiculous season or if George Fant lights it up, then they'll be paying somebody. But yeah. I, I don't listen, 18 million per for for a right tackle. Like, like, like what are we talking about? What Conklin get? Was Conklin like 15, 14? Conklin was, Conklin was 14, 14 15, and a half, but he took a shorter. A yeah, he took a t- So Conklin is younger than, yeah, Conklin came out. I think he was like 20 or 21. So no, Conklin, I'm, yeah. I'm what to compare it to. Well, I wouldn't compare it to Conklin because I feel Ramsey. like he, yeah, he, yeah, he took a shorter deal uh, just so he can get to the money again right after the TV deal kicks in. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, man, seeing that, that number, um, <laughs> If and, and and you know we all have our fingers crossed and hope that it is true, but if if Makai Becton realizes his potential, realizes his talent, and puts it all together, he he's gonna be up there with uh with Williams out of San Francisco with the with the yearly per or close to a nineteen twenty million twenty one I think. But, oh, I'm saying I'm saying that's where Yeah. No, by the time by the yeah, time by the, by the time yeah. We're looking at twenty four. No, yeah. I, I without a doubt. Assuming that, that they up the salary cap as a, at a substantial amount of money considering the new T V deal, considering that the salary cap look at the jump. Even in co that you know, a COVID stricken year, the jump from COVID year to next year is is was a relatively decent jump, all things considered. So just imagine what it's going to be like when a, a larger percentage of that is, is allocated to salary caps. It's we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of money. It was only going up prior to COVID. So getting back into the sw- swing of things, people want to get back outside, do normal activities, stuff like that. Argument could be made this for the long-term benefit. What happened in the last year and a half could be more beneficial for the NFL as far as people's desire to get out more and the desire to really go to these events and stuff. I mean, obviously it's, you know, short-sighted now, but in the long term, it's very possible. Orlando Brown Jr. still hasn't signed this deal. I think he's going to be – he's going to set the market next. Yeah. He's due up next. I'm trying to think what other left tackles are going to be due, young left tackles that are dominant. Young so left Trent, tackles? Trent Williams got 21, right, or 20? 21. I think he got or, 21. Orlando Brown Jr., it's going to be in that. I don't know if it's. I don't know if the length is going to be what he wants, but he's definitely going to be in that five-year, one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifteen million dollar range, probably. Fair enough. Yeah. At least one hundred and five. So you figure Makai Beckner's going into his second year. In two years, they'll do it after his. They'll probably do. Yeah, they'll do it after his fourth year. So, yeah, I could I could see it going up here one twenty. Yeah, that's what I could see. So now we're talking about we're talking about starting pitcher contracts in baseball now. It's about number time. Two, yeah, number two starters because that's kind of yeah we're talking <laughs> yeah man talking about Patrick Corbin money and 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 then you know it 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 might have ramifications with with Moses and Fent like you said man especially if you know if Moses gets out there and he really lights it up I don't I don't see them just letting him walk. But I also don't see him taking a penny less than twelve, fourteen million either. You know, if I, if he hits the open market, he he can get that. I just think, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yes, 
Yes, that, that'll definitely happen. I think that Joe Douglas will franchise him for a year and then let yeah, him walk absolutely. again. That's definitely not going to happen because with the two first-round picks, I'll just draft a, uh, the best or whatever, high, the highest-ranked left tackle that they have, yeah, and then yeah. just and let him walk. So you mentioned franchise. Let's go, What if May balls out? Like, who, who do you – who do you who do you take? I'm on. I can find a safety much faster than I can find a right tackle. Yeah, because the safety I already listen. Let's be real. I already have Marcus May's replacement in Ashton Davis, or I could just sign Lamarcus Jones into another one or two year deal, or I could just draft the best you know um, high safety in the draft. And I'm not saying you know I love Marcus May. I like Marcus May more than Jamal Adams, but it's much harder. There's not too many people that are 6'6", 330 walking around that are agile. There's a bunch of guys that are six foot, 195, 205 that can cover and hit and run. Mm-hmm. So I just think that those, you know, the, the offensive line takes precedence. Oh, I, I'm I'm not, you know, uh, at all disagreeing with that. I, I just wanted to, you know, know y'all, know y'all take on that considering, you know, you, you brought up the franchise tag. And I know mm-hmm. that'll still be on the table, you know, if – if, if May balls out, unless they strike some type of deal end of the year, whatever, before we get to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no it's a good conversation to have. And I think that it's like, you know, we're just going to have to start. We're just going to have to start monitoring all these contracts because soon the Jets are going to actually have players that, that this is going to affect. Like, yeah. you, you know, what's up next, right? Who's, who's the next three technique to get a huge deal? Quinn. It might be Quinnen. Yeah. Like if you look around the league, like like who's who's in that upper echelon in that position uh, to where that they're going to reset the market? Quinn Williams is going into his fourth year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about that time. He, he won't. They won't let if he balls out this year. They will not let him. He ain't. Make he, it. Ain't, he ain't going nowhere. Yeah, they will not let him make it to that. I hope we year. don't look back on this and, and, and be like, oh shit, he's going somewhere. But I don't think he is either. I think the only two guys that I can. Think uh, three guys I could think off the top of my head, and I, I'm not entirely sure if they play the same position or what. Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, all got paid already. But no, but that's what I'm saying is that yeah. who 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 else is up there? Who else is in the top five at, at, at defensive tackle? Quinnen uh, Quinnen has a case. Yeah, Quinn has a case. Ed Oliver's going to be up there. Ed, yeah, of course. Pretty good, but, but he's not even. I don't even think he's as good as Quinn. Um, no, Derek Brown is another good young three technique. Christian Wilkins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that was his rookie year. He's basically like Quinn was his rookie yeah, year. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Christian Wilkins. They have him playing nose, so he's two gapping. So they don't really have him doing anything. Uh, Kenny Clark just got paid, but he's two gapping. Um. And honestly, that, that's all I can think it's about a right now. Yeah. Position in this NFL now, it really is. I mean, oh, one hundred percent. You can 100%. look around the NFL like you guys were talking about Khalil Mack and stuff like that. Like a lot of these teams have two pass rushers on the outside on both tackles, so the value of the right tackle is only going to go up further as the left tackle goes up. Maybe they'll never actually meet, right? Like they'll never be exactly even because there'll always be that blindside aspect. But it's going to get hell of a lot close. And I mean, realistically, it's it's a scary time in the NFL for offensive lines because think about that. A lot of teams have two pass rushers for the outside, but they also have the interior pass rush, which I've been clamoring for years about being equally as important almost because quarterbacks hate pressure up the middle. So now you're going to be paying, like you said, the Quentin Nelsons of the world, the, the good interior offensive line, you're going to be paying them a premium. That's why you draft AVT in the first round and you don't question it after the fact because your hope. Sure as hell, especially in our division specifically, right? We got Wilkins, like you said. We got Ed Oliver and, and Buffalo Bills have defensive linemen out the wazoo. 
So it, it, it's the value of these offensive linemen is only get better and quickly. Just one thing about Moan is he was the only guy that was franchise tag that signed a long-term deal or, or am I mistaken? No, he was the only guy. He was the only guy. So everyone, and I'm like, I'm on record for saying last time we spoke that I think May a deal gets done with May at some point. So I'm not terribly worried because if it doesn't, like you said, we have a replacement on the roster. We have LaMarcus Joyner who's going back to a familiar position. So whatever. But he was the only guy that got franchise uh, tag and then signed a deal. So Jets fans could, you know, cool their Jets a little bit because there's a lot of teams that just slapped the franchise tag and didn't sign the deal. It, it happens to other teams. I understand we are the Jets and we're trying to get rid of that stigma, the same old Jets stigma. But – Every other team, with the exception of one in the NFL that had a franchise tag player, didn't sign their guy. And to be honest with you, Moten plays a premium position. 100%. And he's 26 years old, and he's probably a top three right tackle in the NFL. And he never missed a game. Or I'm sorry, let's see. He didn't play his rookie year, and he hasn't missed a game since that rookie year. Yeah, he's played all the snaps the last three years. Exactly. So, you know, we can slow our role as far as Marcus May is concerned, but that Moten deal, like you guys said, it it, it sets the market, and and we're really going to be pondering what we're going to be paying guys down the line. If Moses balls out, we can be looking at, like you said, $14 just for Moses, who I don't think we would argue is a top top five right tackle in the NFL right now. Maybe, yeah, yeah, top 10. But I mean, but this is what you want. Because even in Moulton's deal, uh, there, there's a million-dollar incentive that if he makes the Pro Bowl as a left tackle. Yeah. So left tackle is always going to have that, you know, that, that that distinction, which is exactly why Orlando Brown Jr. wanted to play left tackle instead of going back to right tackle. But, yeah, I, I think that – I think right now you're just going to have to pay. If you have a good tackle, you're going to have to pay him. That's right. why when people were complaining about George Fan at $9 million, that's a bargain if he's a top 15 tackle. It wasn't even yes. nine million to begin with, wasn't it? It was like seven, and then the third, the, the, going into his third year, it was like nine. So it's like yeah. it, it was, it was a super bargain, and people were yeah. complaining about a guy who had two flags all year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Man. Like I'm sorry. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just some other signing news. So the Jets signed uh, two of their top three picks. Elijah Vera Tucker signed his rookie deal for four years, 15.9 million with a little over a $2 million. All oh, his cap hit is going to be $2 million. And Elijah Moore, everyone's favorite future pro bowler, four years, 8.96. Uh, my guy Moore got 3.86 on the signing bonus. And this was, um, uh, people said that this was uh, that his deal was a little bit dynamic was the word that people <laughs> that people wanted to use because years one through three were guaranteed for second round picks. I think only the first two years are guaranteed or sometimes even the first year. So the Jets feel confident and strongly enough about Elijah Moore to guarantee the first three years of that deal. Um, I don't think we need to even go even further into this because I think we all agree that Elijah Moore is going to be super electric. I'm hearing people and and beat writers say that Elijah Moore looks like he's the best overall football player on the practice field. So I think that um, guaranteeing years one, two, three is just another vote of confidence. Um, TK, what you got on both of those signings? Uh, Well, as far as AVT goes, uh, I wouldn't worry about it. It's just as a quick aside, people, uh, you know, this was not because Joe D didn't want to pay them. He doesn't control how much they get paid. That is set in stone in the first round. You know, that slot is is locked at whatever the number is. That's it. Uh, the consternation was between either uh, double dipping, as Matt explained, you know, on, on the last episode uh, about uh, offset language, or it could have been, you know, the uh, – 
ability of the, of the team to recoup or or cut off, you know, bonus money if they mess up and, and, and get cut for doing something stupid. One of the two things. Now, with that being said, Elijah Moore was the only out of the three left, only person out of the three left that really had to negotiate something. And we saw that, you know, Joe D wasn't being a cheapskate or a dummy because like Amara just said, he guaranteed three years on a second round pick when you don't have to. So again, he, he's doing his thing. He he know, knows what he's doing and he's showing it day in and day out. Now, as far as, you know, the more deal, even if he doesn't pan out after year two and the third year is guaranteed, the total deal is $8.6 million, whatever it is. It's nothing. It's, it's not a huge amount. So, that was smart on, on them. Very smart. You got the guy locked in, you know, um, and, and, and you just ready to go. Yeah. I'm not going to praise JD for, for doing what he should be doing as far as getting these guys signed or whatever, but I think. There you go. <laughs> we don't praise guys when they do what they're supposed to do. All right, go ahead. But I think one thing that we can highlight that JD did that we all agreed was smart at draft time was getting AVT where he got him because I think this also shows the importance of that fifth-year option as far as first-round picks are concerned. Yeah. If, if AVT turns into everything that we expect him to be, that fifth-year option could be a bargain at that price because we saw, uh, again, not likening AVT to Quentin Nelson or anything like that because Quentin Nelson was generational, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if he turns out to be even – 90% of the player we all think he could be with the upside, it's going to be a bargain on that fifth year, and it's going to be a no-brainer. This is the importance and the distinction between drafting a guy in the first round and drafting a guy past the first round because you get the benefit of that fifth-year option. So, like like I said earlier, we're not going to praise J.D. for doing what he's supposed to do, but I think the one thing is is AVT getting the deal done, having that fifth-year option just bodes well for who we think he is going to be as a player and then, you know, off the field as well. But I think also the Elijah Moore thing is a little important because – I think that the expectations for Elijah Moore, like AVT is kind of going under the radar. In my opinion, I think Elijah Moore from everything I've read, every PFF article, everything I've seen, like Elijah Moore fantasy sleeper, he's going to put up numbers. He's going to be a, a Swiss army knife, so to speak. Talk about an offensive weapon, jet sweeps, screen passes, deep passes, whatever the hell you ask him, going over the middle, whatever, whatever the hell you ask him. And now if he does all that stuff, phenomenal. But I think that, giving him the fully full guarantee for those three years is, is it speaks volumes to what they've seen so far. And I think everything from every highlight, from every video, Woody Johnson posts, cause it gets me hyped up. It just, it makes me happy to know that, that he's doing everything that we thought he was going to do straight out of, out of college. And, and, you know, it's early, but, but it's still exciting nonetheless. It, it's super exciting, man. And I'm just glad that all these guys are they're getting in and I, and, so, you know, we're, we're talking about this. It's July 22nd. I think training camp opens the 26th. I think that Zach Wilson will be in camp. And I think that this is just going to be I, – I, like, I, I don't want to get too excited, but this definitely feels like the, a turning point for, for, for the team. I think that this draft – like, we'll look back at, the, at this draft over this, you know, this three-year period and go, that's when the tie started to turn for them. Yeah. I think I, I think that this is this is really what it feels like. It's it's been a long time where the Jets. I look back at the Jets draft and I didn't have to talk myself into liking the players. Hey man, you know I, I remember when me and you first met, man. It was like close to draft time, and yeah, like dog. Was it, was it twenty? What was it? Fifteen or sixteen? It was, I believe, fifteen. 
I don't know if it was Calvin Pryor or if it was Darren Lee. I'm not sure. It was it was Darren Lee. Like I yeah. I distinctly remember, you know, how much you hated that draft. But you know, when his name was called, like you went bonkers. Yeah, I because I just it just didn't make sense. But like now all these players that we've been drafting, um, they they just make sense. So I think that they, like, you know, I I feel how I feel about last year or whatever. But this like this draft, like if, if all these guys do and obviously, you know, they, there's a lot of variables and the quarterback has to be, you know, what 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 people think that he's going to be. But you look at top to bottom. I think that there's going to be a lot of contributors. And I think there's at least two to three difference makers, maybe even four in this group. And I think that this is when you're going to say like, yeah, that's when the Jets started to turn the corner or like, like that was the spark. So yeah. I, I think, I think that that's what, that, that's what we'll, that's what we'll, um, that's what we'll look back on. So um, it's not around the league, but it's definitely, it's Jets related. It's NFL related and shit it's life related. The NFL informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18 week season in 2021 due to a COVID outbreak, among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for playoff seating per sources. All right. This is what Tom Pelissero tweeted earlier. Um, and I don't think I need to tell you guys that, that, that that's massive. So just so we're clear, um, if, a, if an infected team forfeits, takes a loss for playoff seating, uh, they face financial penalties and possible additional sanctions if protocols were violated. Players on both teams do not get paid. Holy shit. Um, who wants to take this first? Because I know that we all got some strong opinions. Uh, listen, first of all, this, I, I get it. And, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of it. You know, I told you guys, like, like I'm, I'm vaccinated. I, I believe, you know, believe in it. More so, I, I, I'm fearful of, of the unknown, you know, and seeing what has happened to people close to me who's who's had it. That's neither here nor there. But what we're seeing right here, this is this is what happens when you have a private entity who goes unchecked forever since day one. They're pretty much doing what they want to do. Now, they can in the wording behind all of this, they're hiding behind, you know, the this thing with the guys of we're not forcing you to do it. But, you know, in a, in a sense, they are, you know, underhandedly forcing them to do it or either risk hurting their team. And, you know, I get players not wanting to participate. I, I, I really do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's their choice. It's, it's the player's choice. And if they don't do it and their team, you know, gets – COVID or, or, or whatever, and they, they lose a game and miss the playoffs or, or drop to worse seating than they would have had, then it is what it is. Like that, everybody's taking a risk. Um, so I applaud any player that, that decides to do it. I applaud any player that, you know, decides to not do it. That's their choice. I'm all about free will, free choice. So, you know, it is what it is. But they do need to realize that it's a business. It's it's all about the bottom line. And that's what the NFL is trying to do. Protect that bottom line. It's not about player safety. Let's, let's not even lie about that. It's about retaining and gaining more money. And that's all this is about. 
And when you got somebody like Jerry Jones back in this, you know it's all about money because that's all Jerry cares about. No, yeah. And that's that's my take on it. So I'll keep mine short and sweet because I mean I think you kind of summed it up pretty well. Is that tell you're telling players they don't have to do something behind? I'm sorry, you're telling players they have to do something in getting vaccinated without really coming forward and telling them they have to do it. I mean, the reality is, is you're kind of putting you're ostracizing the players that don't because they can be liable for why the team as a whole gets penalized. Now, the verbiage of of the statement and whatnot, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I can't read between the lines. I can't read. I can only read what they write. And and, and I'm not going to go into the sciences because it's none of my business, whatever. But you got players, named players coming out. The DeAndre Hopkins, Leonard Fournette, obviously Cole Beasley came out. Jalen Ramsey came out. Some of them, you know, openly are like, listen, like I don't, want to put that in my body and that's their choice like you said like i'm not going to discourage someone and i'm not going to encourage someone you want to do what you want to do when you want to do it if you want to do it not my business not my choice whatever but when you got stars like d hop coming out one of the best wide receivers in the nfl saying something all the backlash she's getting you're gonna you're gonna really i think ultimately yes it's the bottom line they're worried about but ostracizing some of your star players some of your star players, not all players are the same, right? Like we can agree that some dude on the practice squad not getting, you know, the vaccine has no bearing on the NFL. But if a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, one of these big name guys doesn't and it causes their team to lose, you, the NFL for sure is going to find a way to reschedule a game. At the end of the day, it comes down to who the player is. Let's be really, you know, quite frank about this. If, if Kyler Murray is a Sunday night game, and Kyler Murray comes down with it. And I don't know who's vaccinated, who's not. It's not my business. But it comes out and there's a there's a, a COVID, you know, outbreak in that thing. And and they can't trace whether it was someone who has the vaccine that gave it to someone without, so on and so forth. Not only are both teams forced to forfeit pay, the 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 team's gonna get fined and there's gonna be strict penalties, but you're ostracizing ostracizing these players and whatnot. And the reality is, is that the NFL, if it truly cares about its bottom line. If an Aaron Rodgers, if a Tom Brady, they're going to find a way to reschedule these games. These games will be played. I'm sorry. At the end of at the end of the day, look at what happened last year. I think the Steelers got their game moved around like four times. So it's like it really is going to come down to if the NFL cares about the product on the field, it's going to come down to, well, let's see. Who's the team or teams involved and, and what can we do? How does it negatively impact us if an Aaron Rodgers or someone can't be on the field? And I think that it's pretty simple. And and one quick note I want to make about this too, is that this and, and kind of an unforeseen circumstances is, is that maybe some of the bigger name players choose not to get vaccinated, whatever this opens up opportunities with roster selection. You're going to look me in the face and tell me that a player that isn't vaccinated, who's on the bubble of getting cut versus a player who is vaccinated. That's also on the bubble. Isn't going to get preferential treatment just because there's less of a risk. Of, of the player, you know, who's vaccinated, getting getting infected with COVID or spreading it to someone else. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's going to have a bearing on a lot of things, including people's livelihoods. And I don't think that that's the best route for the NFL to go. But again, like you said, this is the ramifications of a, a, a multi-billion dollar organization going unchecked. And I think it's pretty clear cut as that. I think it goes even higher than that. And, you know, the, the way the way that my mind is working right now, we won't even get into it on this podcast. But this is par for the course for the NFL. Like, are we really surprised? 
They are an organization, they're an entity that cares nothing about their bottom line, and they're listed as a nonprofit organization. If you had to, if the NFL was synonymous with one thing, what would it be? Not caring about people with concussions? Yeah, right. Or, yeah, just not, yeah, yeah, no, hell no. Just not caring about their product, the bottom line, money. Yep. That's the only thing that moves the NFL. That's the only thing that gets the NFL to, to be proactive, which they never are. This is what they do. What they try to do is they try to endear themselves to fans. Uh, they try to endear, endear, their, uh, endear themselves to fans, and they put the onus on us versus the millionaires when it really should be us versus these billionaires. Just the same way it is in regular life. They try to get Matt, they try to get me and you to argue over anything when you and I have more in common than anyone else um, making these decisions. And this is, and I hate this because this is what they do during contract negotiations as well. They'll give you some bullshit, you know, what, five to 10% offer over the, over the highest guy or, or over your previous existing contract. And then they publish this. And then everybody's like, yo, why don't you accept this? Like I only make $40,000 a year. I'd be more than happy making $10.5 million a year. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because my skill set means that my worth is $12.5 million a year. So now, and now, and and then just like you said, man, and now all these players are getting ostracized just because they don't want to take a vaccine. We're not even a year into testing this vaccine. So I don't know why the NFL had to do this because like you said, guess what? There's going to be fans in the stands this year. You think the NFL is going to vaccinated fans in unvaccinated fans? Yes, I will be an unvaccinated fan at the green and white game. If I, I got the tickets, I don't know if I'm going to go yet. But yeah, <laughs> you think and, that they you think that they're going to miss out on that money after Jerry Jones was just, was crying yesterday because he was happy to have fans back because that means that his pockets are going to be fatter. So that means that he can continue to be one of the worst owners in modern sports history. For yacht, exactly. And I hate when the NFL does this. And then I hate when people start, you know, getting catty and arguing amongst themselves when that's not the issue. Yeah. So I, I, I truly don't get why the NFL did this. I don't understand why people are like, I don't understand why, how people are even getting mad at DeAndre Hopkins just for voicing his opinion. And shout out to Jalen Ramsey for coming out because he said, um, he said he that he supported D hop saying, Listen, exactly. we're not going to allow them. I'm not going to look at you as a shitty teammate or a shitty person just because you made a choice about your own body and what you put in it. Everyone's got to remember these are athletes. They choose what goes in their body every day. So if they don't want to put something in their body that granted, if the science is good enough, if the science bad enough, whatever they deem they want to do, if they don't want to put something in their body, that's their choice. And, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let's say that. Let, let, yeah, yeah, poor timing, and they, they they never have a pulse on what's going on, and they're always just they're always just tone deaf. Let me ask you something. Let's say that DeAndre Hopkins get the vaccine, and he get, and this is knock on wood. I hope that no one else gets this. Let's say that he develops tremors. Let's say that he develops some sort of hold on some sort of muscular atrophy. What if that is the NFL? And I know that he's probably accrued enough time as a veteran, so he'll get a pension and, and health benefits and stuff like that. Is the NFL going to cover all of his medical expenses? I don't know. Let's ask the guys that had the concussions how long that lawsuit took. Exactly. So, and, how, and, and how they did almost everything in their power to, to cover to, that shit up. To cover that up. As if I had no idea CTE was a damn problem. So you're going to sit there and tell exactly. me. Exactly. My problem with the timing is, is that you have all these different state legislatures coming out and out to full capacity. Everyone's excited. Vaccine or not. If you're scared, I totally get it. If you don't care and you just want to live your life, I totally get it. 
but all these stadiums, including, you know, uh, MetLife Stadium coming out saying full capacity, no masks, no nothing, live your damn life. And then the NFL drops this type of bomb on everyone? Piss poor timing. And at the end of the day, it is. It, 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 they don't care about the safety of the players. The players need to look at, and this is like you said, Amar, this is why we're on the side of the players more often than not. Because at the end of the day, the NFL cares about the pockets being lined to the owners because that Roger Goodell is a, a, a employed by the owners. And if the owners' paychecks and their wallets are getting fatter and Roger, Roger Goodell's wallet, his $30 million salary a year every year is getting bigger, who cares about the player's safety? And at the end of the day, I'm, uh, and I, you know, I'm not trying to take a hard stance on either side. I think we've done a good job of saying, listen, live your damn life, do what you want. It's a free country. But the NFL is just tone deaf on this. And this very well, like it, it, granted on your example, if someone does get it because they don't want to be ostracized and they do get some sort of sickness, something happens. NFL's facing lawsuits. And then it's like, it's going to get to that point regardless, I feel like. And I'm kind of shocked the NFL PA didn't come out and try and back their players a little bit more. Which the NFL PA, they, they, use, they what's just, the point of exactly, a union? Exactly. What is the point? What is it's the just, point a, it's just, it's just fight fighting amongst yourselves again, man. It, and I think they just the re-elected, what's his name? What is his name? Damar De- Smith or something? Damar like? Smith, I believe, yeah. I think they just re-elected this guy like clowns. Like, you do it to yourself, NFLPA. You really do it to yourself. The players need to come together, and they need to create a fund. The top, and I'm not telling people what to do with their money, but I'm just saying how, how it could possibly work. The reason that the NFLPA and the collective bargaining agreements don't really work is because you have these top 5% guys who could go a year without getting that money. But then you got those guys that are those fringe, those special teamers, those practice squatters. They can't miss a year of pay. So if the NFL, if they were able to get together and pull together some money, so if they just established some sort of um, universal fund. Yeah, yeah, universal standard of living uh, fund. Universal standard of living check that they can give all these, uh, you know, bubble guys or anybody like, let's say, like, listen, if you've been in the league for three years or whatever, we have this universal cost of living fund that we can all dip into and let's just hold out. Yeah. And I think that if they banded together, I mean, it's, listen, it's the same thing. We can get even deeper. You and I, we can start a political podcast if we wanted to. We can get even deeper than this. We're keeping it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But if we, um, yeah, it's it's all. I, I don't know. You just you just have to be smart. I think the NFL is always tone deaf, and they always do the wrong thing before they do the right thing. And this is just another case of that. My only my only question is is that, and and again, this is probably a, li- a tad bit deeper, just because I don't fully understand. Um. People that have the vaccine can still contract COVID. Am I mistaken in saying that? No, you're not mistaken. That's okay. the reason why so the Yankees have a handful of- percent vaccination reported, but Aaron Judge and a whole bunch of players just are in quarantine now, even though they were all vaxxed because you don't want to infect anyone else. So I guess my question is, is that the verbiage of the statement from, I think, Palacero, you said it was, you know, it, it, how are they going to determine? So, if an unvaccinated player gets COVID and infects everyone else, but how are they going to determine who was the the original person? I guess maybe in in the prior prior arrangement they made with every unvaccinated player getting tested every day. But at the end of the day, it, if you have a false positive, if you have all these issues that come with it. How are you really going to contract contact tracing and stuff like that? Isn't going to prove anything for you. So I'm just I, maybe I, I'll plead negligence on this one, but 
But at the end of the day, the NFL is in for a lot of lawsuits, I would think. And and, and I don't think this would hold up in, in court, if I'm being really honest with you. But again, they just kind of show their their tone that they're tone deaf. They don't they can't really read the room considering every stadium has announced full capacity, no mass, no nothing. And then they drop a hammer like this. So let's ostracize the players against the other players. So that's going to start a war. Let's ostracize the fans against the other fans as if it's not bad enough in this country right now. And it's just like, here we go. Let's yeah. just, at this point, the training camp can't come soon enough because I need something else to worry about other than this nonsense. Exactly. Honestly, whenever the NFL does something incorrectly or they're, you know, they come up short or they can't read the room or they're tone deaf, we shouldn't we shouldn't even be surprised. So this is par for the course for them. And this won't be, and this definitely won't, won't be <laughs> it won't be the last time. It definitely won't be the last time for this season as well too. But yeah, Honestly, listen. The first team is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be a narrative for the entire year. So so we'll that's that's gonna be the underlying storyline for this. One season. quick thing, just to make a joke out of it, and this is just because I'm making light out of how stupid the NFL is. If if somehow we get like six free wins, and then we somehow win like another six out of the remaining games, and we make the playoffs somehow. Just saying, uh, it's a legitimate season in my books. Then, if we somehow win twelve games and six of them are due to forfeit, legitimate season, I don't care. But I mean, you know, that was the, just a stupid lame joke to make. But I don't know. That, that would actually be hilarious, and I would absolutely take that. But then oh, that just means, yeah. But then you know, that has like a we can go down another rabbit hole. But that would be hilarious. You're right. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. The NFL sucks when it comes to reading the room. They they pretty much suck at everything like government does, so. Yep, and um, here we are doing a podcast about one of their worst teams, so bam. <laughs> well, we, we hopefully everyone bands together in light of Naps passing, and, and we, can, we can have a successful season, and we don't have to worry about this being a problem. Whether our players are vaxxed or not, I don't care. Yeah. Listen, man, I think that um, – I don't know about you. I'm ready to go for training camp, so – <laughs> Let's do it. One more week, guys. One more week. And we're going to have fresh content, lots of content, lots of, you know, update because there's going to be something new every day. There's going to be injury reports. There's going to be, you know, scouting reports. There's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be following and, and every development. So everyone should just stay tuned. And uh, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. 100%. All right, everybody. Thanks for rocking with us. This was episode 26 on behalf of Matt Tyrus. I'm Amari. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.